Looking for a verbal hand job? Yes, 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 yes. Release your frustrations and listen to Blunt Talk on Renegade Talk Radio. Hello there, Renegade Nation. This is Everly Isby, connecting the dots. And this is Renegade Talk Radio. Thanks for joining me. On the last show, I said at the end that I'd come back to the good old U.S. of A. and speak into the corporatocracy, the system of government we live under. And also in the last show, I talked about the uh, very strange coup in Turkey. Uh, But first, before I return to the U.S., as I was like thinking about this show and what I was going to talk into, I realized that I still want to connect some more dots back in Turkey and also Russia and what's going on over there post-coup. Then towards the last part of the show, I'll bring it back here. So what's happening? What's happening post-failed Turkey coup? Well, back on August 9th, while the uh, Rio Olympics were just underway, Turkish President Erdogan arrived in St. Petersburg, Russia to meet with President Vladimir Putin. Maybe you weren't aware of that because everyone is inundated with this presidential farce we call the run for the presidency and the Rio Olympics, too. So, yes, that's all that's going on, folks. Look over here. Watch the show, folks. So during all this during all this media blitz I call distraction that most of us can't help watching, it's so ridiculous. The criminal killery exchanging barbs and insults with the Trumpster, who can't seem to put two sentences together. He's so eloquent, isn't he? Mm. Oh, and the Rio Olympics were so obviously political, right? Ousted so many of Russia's team. Oh, yes, Russia is the only country doing the doping, right? Right. So in the meantime, Erdogan and Putin met for the first time since the Turkish Air Force shot down that Russian fighter jet in Syria back last fall. Russia retaliated with massive economic sanctions and across-the-board Turkish bans. But recently, Erdogan sent a surprise letter of apology to Putin, just before the Turkey coup. Following that apology... Hmm, well, following that apology, Russia warned Erdogan of the planned Turkish military coup, saving his presidency and his life. How did Russia know? Hmm, we're watching a major chess match in the geopolitical arena. Lots of switching sides going on. I mean, even before the Brexit, Britain had already done whatever is necessary, you know, to be among the founding, I think, members of the BRICS alliance, turning its back on the EU and the United States. Lots of countries aligning over there. And it won't be long before Germany, France, and other EU nations head that way, too. The EU is disintegrating. So the Western world is falling apart, especially the financial system and the U.S., Seems to be the only one who's going, no, 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 no. We're number one, no matter what. That's the way it appears. The U.S. is acting like a spoiled brat. They just can't play nice in the sandbox. You remember those kids? Really childish behavior. So let's focus on Cold War 2.0. That's in full swing and started by the United States. And this Cold War is more dangerous than the last one. Why? 
because the war doctrines of the nuclear powers have changed. The function of nuclear weapons is no longer only retaliatory or defensive in nature. The understanding that nuclear war was essentially mutually assured destruction was the guarantee back then that the weapons would not be used. In the new war doctrine, this Cold War 2.0, the nuclear weapons have been elevated to first use in a preemptive nuclear attack. Washington first took this step, forcing Russia and China to follow. So, <clears throat> who's the aggressor here, hmm? <laughs> so we're in another Cold War, and the U.S. is the aggressor. Let's talk briefly of the last Cold War, I mean the first one, well, the last and the first. It started during the Truman administration after World War II and went all the way through Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Carter, uh, and ended in the Reagan administration's second term when he and Russia's Gorbachev agreed that Cold War was unnecessary, expensive, and truly dangerous. I remember going to school during the Cold War. <laughs> I'm that old. In elementary school, like from first grade, and for a couple of years at least, then for some reason it stopped, but every once in a while, the teacher would say, like, out of the blue, duck and cover, and we would immediately scramble under our desks and wrap our arms around our heads. Really great strategy, don't you think? To survive a nuclear blast. Right. But that exercise did accomplish something. Fear. A state of fear. What a traumatizing thing to do little children. I mean, seriously. It's a, but it's a very good weapon over the populace, and it's sure that the younger generations would carry through with their perception of a really menacing entity that we depended upon our federal government to protect us from. Oh, yes. When people fear, they turn to government to protect them from, like, boogeymen that are never really was a boogeyman. Reminds me, by the way, of weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> it's all a game. But the end of the Cold War didn't last very long. After Reagan had, uh, we had uh, George H.W. New World Order Bush, and then Clinton. During Clinton's administration, which included, I mean coincided with the fall of the Soviet Union, the U.S. and NATO had made an agreement with Russia not to expand NATO military bases into the former Soviet satellite countries in Eastern Europe. But what happened? Under U.S. policy in the Clinton administration, NATO began doing exactly what it had promised not to do. We lied. How surprising. Today, there are NATO military bases throughout Eastern Europe and all along Russia's borders and seaways. Meanwhile, the U.S. media and federal policy statements are constantly making accusations of Russian aggression. Oh, really? Are you buying that bullshit? Does Russia have military bases in Mexico and Canada on our borders? No. The U.S. is accusing Russia of what it is doing. The neocon and the neocon liberals are pounding the war drum inside the Beltway in D.C. and through their taunts and accusations against Russia, they're trying to provoke war. And they're poking their nose in the South China Sea as well where the issues are around sovereign territorial waters for the countries of China, Malaysia, Vietnam, and other countries within those territorial regions. 
While the U.S. has an interest in the navigable waterways for trade and commerce and, you know, Navy and stuff like that, it has no real business in trying to dictate what is being negotiated between those countries in the Far East. That's not our territory. But what the U.S. is doing is pushing us into World War III, hell-bent, as if it is going to retain its number one super status. But the world is moving in another direction. Okay, so I'll leave you on that happy note, and I'll be right back. Oh, uh, by the way, have you been listening to Sky Pilot? If you want to hear some great music from the 60s, 70s, and the 80s with the greatest DJs of those times, the late, great Don Steele and also M.G. Kelly, this is live radio like you don't hear anymore. So if you want to hear radio how it used to be, these DJs were the best of the best. They set the bar that DJs have strived to emulate ever since. Check it out. Well, not right this minute. I mean, you know, hang out and finish my show, okay? I'll be right back. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Okay, I'm back now. Uh, this is Everly connecting the dots, and I'm talking about a looming potential World War III being brewed up by the think tank folks we all love and adore inside the Beltway in D.C., so, <clears throat> what is the end game strategy they're trying to accomplish here? I mean, well, obviously, continued world hegemony, the continuous takeovers of country after country, perpetual war. You know, I remember back around 2003 or so, General Wesley Clark publicly announced that he had been called into the Pentagon for a briefing where he was told that the Pentagon's new strategy was to invade five. Uh, or was it seven? I can't remember which one, but it's one of those two. Five or seven countries. So that they could put in regime changes that would ultimately be friendly to U.S. and corporate moneyed interests. So at that point, we were, you know, we were already in an Afghanistan and Iraq, and which we, we all know how successful that's been, right? <laughs> and then we went into Libya killed Gaddafi, and since that invasion, utilizing U.S., Saudi, and Israeli-funded terrorists, did you hear that? I said, utilizing U.S., Saudi, and Israeli-funded terrorists. Well, Libya has lost everything. It has no semblance of government, and it's been thrown back into the Middle Ages, and is in constant violent clashes between competing rogue terrorist groups trying to gain supremacy over each other. But there is no winning group so far. God knows how many innocent people have died, not just in Libya, but across the Middle East and Africa. But Libya is ravaged. Did I say Libya? <laughs> Libya is ravaged. So, really great foreign policy there, right? And I have to mention also the Ukraine coup back in 2014. Victoria Newland, little war hawk that she is, and she's the Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs, admitted that we had funded over $5 billion to assist the Nazi faction that toppled Ukraine once again, Ukraine's democratically elected government. And then we've got Syria's alleged civil war, which it's not. <clears throat> it's the U.S. and NATO allies sending in the self-same terrorist groups to oust Assad's 
popularly and democratically elected secular government. The Syrian conflict had no end in sight until Putin called bullshit last September out to the whole world and has since turned the Syrian conflict of competing terrorist groups along with the mercenary ISIS group on the run with Russia's air strategy which complements the Syrian government's armies. So much also to Washington and NATO's chagrin. Hey, Putin's screwing us up, man. He's ruining everything. Shit, now we can't keep playing all sides against itself and tell Syria looks like Libya. Well, <clears throat> hooray for Putin is all I can say. You know, the press releases from the U.S. government have openly admitted to funding and training and supporting moderate terrorist groups in Syria. <laughs> I have to ask you, how can former Al-Qaeda groups that have morphed into whatever named groups, can they be moderate terrorists? I ask you. Seriously, there are moderate terrorist groups excuse me i mean we tried in iran and failed seemingly ending with a nuclear agreement and paying iran over 400 million dollars or something you know what happened there it's a mystery folks but i will hint that iran has long been a russian ally and i will stress that Iran is a country of extremely educated people, men and women both. They have an incredible arsenal of physicists and scientists throughout all kinds of disciplines. And I think, and I'm, I'm speculating here, but I think, and I've been hearing some of this stuff too, that Iran may have some technologies at hand, which could be why it all ended with the U.S. backing down. I don't have any facts on that, but... Uh, so, oh, and last but not least, the failed coup attempt in allied Turkey last month with CIA and Pentagon fingers all over it. So, now, we have the neocon and the neocon liberals who are all on the same page here for some reason. When do conservatives and liberals agree? But they're beating the war drums together towards Russia? Now, that is so ridiculously stupid, it's frightening. Do you remember or did you hear about the USS Donald Cook incident a few years back? Back in 2014, I think. Yeah, because it was during the Ukraine coup, the coup d'etat. A lot of people think that Russia's military hasn't recovered from the Soviet Union demise days. Russia was in, was, I mean, it was in economic dire straits. I mean, it was a, the country was falling apart, some of which is due to the former Soviet controllers and oligarchs desiring a Western economic model to join in the capitalistic democratic economic systems of the West. So they let U.S. interests in to help them rebuild. They actually invited them. It's one of the few stupid moves they made, but hey, they were leaving communism behind and trying to make Russia great again. So what happened was U.S. interests did what they always do, and they sent in corporate interests that took advantage of the vast resources that Russia has. And really simply and generically, they stole those resources and absconded with the profits. Whoops. But then Putin came to power, and he kicked out a lot of the oligarchs and frugally began rebuilding, rebuilding its suffering military side. Putin is a brilliant and shrewd man. 
He comes out of the former KGB, yes, but not the goon squad side. No, Putin comes from the intelligence side of the former KGB and is well aware, very well versed in the world geopolitical arenas and strategy because that's what intelligence does, right? So, once again, he frugally began rebuilding the military with the latest advances they'd made in technology. Russian science and technology sectors are certainly not to be scoffed at. The Western military-industrial complex, on the other hand, is charging us billions upon billions of dollars each year with constant cost overruns and equipment that tends to just not work right or needs constant computer upgrades and so on and so forth with lots of delays and more money whirling down the drain. Putin, on the other hand, managed to rebuild his military with cost-conscious shrewdness in mind. Whoever's in charge of rebuilding a technology, a, a ship, a tank, whatever, you better keep the budget in mind and you better come out with something that works and on time or you'll answer to me. So, okay, let's get back to what I was starting on, the USS Donald Cook incident, just to illustrate a point. Back during the Ukraine Civil War that the U.S. funded, remember, the USS Donald Cook was steaming through the Black Sea, getting really close to a Russian naval military base, okay? An aggressive and arrogant play on the U.S.'s part, thumbing their nose at Russian territorial integrity. Got the picture? So, Russia launched a jet fighter, and please note, the jet fighter had no missiles on board. The Russian jet promptly flew right up to the USS Donald Cook, which is a state-of-the-art ship with its electronic capabilities, one of the U.S.'s shining prize naval vessels. And what happened? The Russian jet literally shut down the Cook's electronic capabilities. Totally. The Cook was dead in the water and defenseless against the Russian jet fighter, once again an unarmed fighter jet. Then, with the Donald Cook disabled, the jet did some dive-bombing maneuvers for about 15 minutes straight around the Donald Cook, just to make a point. Then it simply flew away. Russian military inferiority? Ha! Well, that must have had quite a few people inside the Beltway a little humbled, to say the least. From what I read... Uh, you know, I read some stories uh, after that incident, and apparently the USS Donald Cook, uh, once they restored their electronics, they put, or I don't know, maybe they were even towed, I don't know, but I think they were able to restore it. And it went back to like a, I think it was a Polish port to dock. And uh, quite a few U.S. sailors disembarked and promptly resigned in disgust and embarrassment. Do you blame them? I certainly don't. So, I'm taking a break here. When I come back, I'm taking us home to the U.S. of A. Think about the docs I'm connecting here because I need to inform you about the system, the corporatocracy that is our true reality, and this is something I really want you to understand. Just know that it is a bit of a mind-bender because it's really different from what you've learned in school or from your parents or grandparents. I mean, it's a totally different reality that if we don't wake up to it, we as a people are screwed. Been screwed a long time, actually, since before you and I were even born. And that's an understatement. 
Be right back. Non-stop shock radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade Talk Radio. This is Connecting the Dots. I'm Everly Isby, and this is Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome back, Renegade Nation. All right. <clears throat> so, we're heading to a potential World War III, if those think tank folks in D.C. get their way. And you know why they're doing it. With war, there are profits, and they can keep maintaining their corporate position of power and control. They're just funding themselves. What if they gave war and no one came? Yeah, old line. Don't join the military. Just stop supporting their crap. When you join, you give your consent. Stop consenting to your slavery. It's certainly not about freedom and democracy. That's their propaganda tool to keep us going along with their death and destruction all over the planet. One thing for sure is the financial system in the Western world is unsustainable because it's not real money. It works for the moneyed interests around the world that set it up. They own the casino and the house always wins. But it doesn't work for the great majority of us. The economic and monetary systems in the Western world created the corporatocracy. They own it all. Our monetary system is based on fraud as well, and it is collapsing. They stop at nothing to maintain their criminal syndicate. Perpetual war feeds the money machine. It's an endless cycle that benefits just the few, and the rest of us? Cannon fodder. They do not care. Do you want to take them down? Because we can, and we don't necessarily have to do it with violence. In fact, I don't advocate it at all, if at all possible, because that works in their favor, too. For each one of us that's killed in like a, a rebellion against the government, they make money off of the insurance policies they have on each and every one of us. It's true. It's a fact. Believe it or not. That's what I'll be talking into as we go along. But I will give you a clue. It starts with your birth certificate. Some of you may be uh, like aware of what I'm speaking into here, but the really important dots begins with how this country got subverted and fundamentally changed from a legitimate de jure, which is lawful government that works for us, to a de facto, which is legal but not lawful. There's a difference. So it's a de facto corporate conglomerate that is masquerading around like it's a real government. But it's not. It's a corporate conglomerate nightmare of a behemoth that's taken over this country by fraud and semantic deceit. There's some other criminal words I could use, but there's some terms that any true government would be honoring, like transparency and disclosure to the people who pay them out of their own pockets every day of our lives. Each and every one of us. I don't think you'll argue much with me on that description of our government today. I mean, do we have transparency in government? No. Just about every document of any import that comes from our government or any agency of government gets immediately classified as top secret. 
So we have no clue what they're really doing. Do we have disclosure by government to the people? No, hell no. Our own Congress and Senate is passing bills before they've even read them. They are actually told not to read the bills until after they've voted. Does that make any sense to you? Of course not. They function as if we don't exist, and we really don't to them, because as a private, mostly foreign-owned corporation, they're working in their own interests, as well as with and joining with other corporate governments that work together for larger and larger shares of our resources and our assets. They're just sucking it all up for themselves, kind of like a tapeworm inside a host for domination and control of the planet. By the way, in a legitimate government, when you elect people into office, it is called public office. They work for us, the public. Today, when we elect people into office, they don't take a public oath. They take a private corporate oath. They're sworn to the corporation to uphold it and not the people that they are supposed to represent. Creates a big conflict of interest, doesn't it? So, like I was saying, I mean, there's a lot of people, though, now who do understand this stuff. You know, over the past, like, 30 or 40 years, a lot of people recognized that things were changing in this country. Our quality of life was going down the tubes with each passing year. Prices keep going up and our salaries and wages just keep stagnating. So the quality of life has continually declined. I know, I've been around for about 50 decades, and I've seen the difference. Government is also getting bigger and bigger and intruding in our lives like never before. Most of the people that have been doing this research were doing it, you know, by themselves. This was before the internet. But when you're doing research, it's a lonely job to go down rabbit holes. So, you know, so they were doing all this kind of stuff before the internet. And so they were going like into back rooms of libraries and climbing off shelves to reach dusty, obscure, and really boring books in search for pieces of the puzzle. But after the internet exploded... These singular people became aware of each other and started sharing notes. Then the dots began connecting like mad. And now they are taking actions. And the more people who begin to see the real picture and that it was created by fraud and semantic deceit, by non-disclosure and non-transparency behind our backs, if enough people know this stuff, we can challenge their crimes and end it. But it takes the people. If enough people know, we can take the power back, lawfully and legally, because the original Constitution and the Bill of Rights is still alive and well. The Declaration of Independence that wowed the whole world is still there. We just have to burn the red tape that keeps us from getting back our rights that are inherent to us. These are crimes, and fraud doesn't have a statute of limitations. The great majority don't get this. And that's how this criminal syndicate keeps functioning and can, continues to run everything because people don't know. I mean, most people say shit like, well, you can't fight City Hall or some such rot. But that's because they're ignorant and unaware of what they haven't been told. You're not taught this stuff in school for a very good reason. 
It's time to wake up, folks. Smell the coffee. No, actually, smell the burning toast. The coffee's long since done. Wake up. Wake up, my pretties. It's time to wake up. The United States corporate structures that the big bad dragon is breathing down our backs, and we'll soon be burnt to a crisp if we go into World War III, or at least be herded into one of those FEMA camps they've already set up for us. Doesn't that sound like fun? Thank you, no. So it's about time to wrap this up. I truly thank you for listening, Renegade Nation. What's really cool about Renegade Nation, it is a global nation. Because this criminal criminal syndicate I'm talking about, it's not just in this country. It's global. And I want to say that this is really important information that we all need to know. So turn other people onto this. I'm just a starting point, but I want to lead you to some of those people around this country and around the world that are taking action and informing themselves and others. And I'm informing you. This is a really integral time. I think you know that, Renegade Nation. Things are accelerating towards an endpoint of some kind. It could go one way or another, but the people can tip the balance. Because we're the ones with the power. We always have been. These systems of government and financial economic interests wouldn't exist without the majority of the people inhabiting this beautiful world. Let's take it back. Peace to you. Peace to us all. It's time. And this is Everly Isby on Renegade Talk Radio. And join me again very soon on Connecting the Dots. Goodbye, Renegade Nation. Love you.